That which kills you does not look like you. It's going to be something else. And, and I think that, that that that's the thing. It's going to change over time whether or not the, the players that are in the market today make the jump. That's an open question. You're listening to GTM Disrupted with Mike Smart of Egress Solutions. Learn how product management and product marketing thought leaders are rethinking their business strategies to thrive in a world of radical change. Hi, my name is Mike Smart and welcome to Go to Market Disrupted. Today I have Ed Kless with me. Ed is Senior Director of Partner Development and Strategy for Sage, a global leader in the ERP space. We're here to talk about the massive impact a good partner strategy can have on go to market success. But before we jump in, I want to share a bit about Ed's background. In Ed's role as Director of Partner Development and Strategy, Ed is responsible for developing and delivering courses for business partners on leadership, organizational development, strategy, pricing, project management, and consulting best practices focused on the small business space. That's a big job by itself. But in addition to his day job, Ed hosts and is a major force behind two successful podcasts, Soul of the Enterprise and Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. I'm going to say this, I've known Ed for a little while, and one of the things I've always admired about Ed is his perspective. It is different than most traditional business people that I've met, and he looks for things that are different, I think, to leverage. And I'll just share something I pulled off of his bio. He says his principal goal is to grow his intellectual capital, and I don't see that with a lot of people, and that just speaks to his uniqueness. From one lifelong learner to another, Ed, I'm glad to see you again. Welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your schedule to visit with us today. Mike, truly so my I honor mean, and pleasure. <laughs> thank you. You know, I, I gave you a brief intro, but you've had a long and diverse career, a lot of it with Sage. I think people would want to hear a little about your background, your, your focus on partner strategy, your focus on services delivery and strategy and talk a little about how you got to where you are. You mind taking a few minutes and sharing some of that journey? Yeah, sure. I, I, I like to say this is how I got to the, the, the best job at Sage. It's not the highest profile, it's not the highest paying, but it's the best. Quickly, background, I, I founded a Microsoft business solution company that back at, back in the, the in the 90s. I left that job shortly after 9-11 or sold my interest in that company short, shortly after 9-11 and came to work for Sage about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago now. And it's great because I, I really do get to do one job and get three times the benefit because I, I like to, to think that I help Sage because I, otherwise I wouldn't be around for 20 years if I did, wasn't making inroads here. But I also help our business partners, but I also like to think that I help the customers of our business partners as well because the work that I'm doing with our partner organizations is really focused on how, how do we pay this whole thing forward? How do, how do, how do they do the best job they possibly can do for our our mutual customers down the line. So one job, three times the benefit. That's why I love doing what I do. You've got a really good deal, man. Let me just say that. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. You know, Sage is one of the largest companies that I know of in the ERP space, especially that principally leans on partners to do go to market. And I'm wondering from your perspective, given experience with Sage and in previous experience with the business you ran around the Microsoft ecosystem, what do you think of when you 
put the bucket of go to market sort of together? What's what's critical in that? What's nice to have? What's essential? And apply some of that filtering back to this business model that you all at Sage have been able to succeed at. Sure, and this is a big question, but when I when I think go to market, I think the f- the first element of a business model. So to me, a business model is is defined simply as how how does your organization create value for and capture value from customers. Go to market to me is primarily about seventy five percent the first, which is how is it that your organization creates value for customers, and then twenty five percent how do you capture that value. Pricing and strategy might might flip it the other way, where it's seventy five percent focused on capturing <laughs> the value. But from a go to when I'm thinking go to market, I'm thinking how is it that our organization and went through through a partner uh, channel? How do we collectively create value for those customers? So it's not just a matter of our partners doing it, but us as well. And the fusion of our 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 software and solutions with their intellectual capital, their knowledge, their brain power applied locally to the customer. It when it when it works really well, it's magical. That's not, that is not to say, and you point this out. It's it can be challenging. In the twenty years that I've been at Sage, there's a lot of ebbs and flows in the relationship that we've had with our partner organizations. For the most part, it's good, and for the most part, it's good because we are willing to be critical of each other when things are down. It, it, what is most interesting about the partner model and the go to market through partners is that when you really think about it, partners will generally. I'm probably one of the exceptions, outlast the people with which they're working at the, the publisher organization. <laughs> That's so a true point. Yes. They're, they're always going to be there, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're very few. And, you know, I think we're, we're in a really good place right now, but there have been places in the past where we've had people in leadership positions who the partners don't like. And you know what they do? They just wait them out. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I guess that could be true with policies they don't like as well, right? Right, right, exactly. I mean, there's certain things, but, you know, there and and it has evolved over the course of time, and, and, and Sage has made a, a great transition to software as a service and subscription-based pricing. We're one of the few companies that has been able to really successfully do that. What are some of the things that you had to navigate? to get through that and get through it successfully, to keep partners in the fold, to grow the base. And like you said, still have high partner satisfaction when you're done. Yeah. I mean, the the, the key challenge is, of course, uh, it, it, what's what's known in the subscription business is swallowing the fish, right? How do we swallow the fish? How, how, how do we worry about revenues which are going trending down when the cost to serve are going up when you're originally switching over to the subscription model? You know, one of the big things that's obviously really helped us a lot was the was the the purchase of of Intact, right? because that I mean that that was this huge influ- influence not only of the software but also the knowledge of the subscription based model. So and that helped us do that retrospectively with all of our other more more standard classic products, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the acquisition was not just of a great software po- product but of a great set of knowledge around subscription. The, the challenge with the, the and the, look, this still occurs today. In fact, I'm, I'm working currently on a presentation where I'm going to be talking internally to our Sage team about helping our partners make the shift away from billing by the hour and getting that big bang for implementations and more to doing implementations as a subscription. And mm. we've, got, we've got a couple of partners, several partners now that are doing great with this. But it, it really requires a complete change in mindset 
and for them to begin to swallow the fish from a revenue model standpoint, because they're used to the big bang from, you know, a $60,000 or $100,000 or $3 million implementation happening in a short period of time. And what we're saying is, no, you are much better off making the transition so that that's smoothed over time. The customers will be happier. Because they're not, they're not paying this huge bubble, but but the 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 fear, of course, is well, what if we get them in, implemented and they leave? I'm like, but they won't. Right. <laughs> and in that context, you're thinking about getting the customer implemented on this service delivery model that you have subscribed as a subscription model. Mm-hmm. Instinctively, it sounds to me like that would be the biggest cementing of a long-term relationship you could ever create, doesn't it? That's what yeah. it seems like to me. Yeah. yeah. Because, because look, accounting software is very, very sticky. Nobody, but nobody wants to change what they're using. No, no, ever, <laughs> ever. What do you see as the hesitancy, the, the resistance for your partners to make this shift? It, it seems intuitively obvious to me, you seem to be endorsing it with enthusiasm. So what's What's the friction point for them? What do you think? It's it's really, it's a matter of unlearning. It's unlearning what they know because all of their systems are are, are based around, and many not, are based around what I call the ABH, the almighty billable hour. And and that's that's the focus of everything. And and it's, it's it really has got to change because the, here's the thing about a billable hour. It ain't scalable. You're talking to a consultant. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not scalable. It doesn't scale. You can only ethically sell one hour to a custom one customer. But right. if you're selling intellectual capital, if you're selling access to or transfer of knowledge, that is something that's scalable because that that is like it's like the alphabet, right? It's it's an asset that can be given out to more than one person at the same time. And not only that, but because it it, it is a non-rival it actually increases in value the more people have access to it. It's as intriguing. What's intriguing about it is the resistance factor you're talking about is something that's actually in one of your one of your goal statements. Are you are you trying to help them bridge that? Because I yes. know that's where you come from. Yes, yes. This is the, and this is the this is the the major obstacle for them is to overcome. And look, they they think they are in fact they think they are selling service. They're not. Service businesses are like air, airlines are a service business. Right. That hotels are a service business. That you still the people who do who who are in service still have to go to the physical location in order to serve the customer. With a knowledge business, the way I like to say what what is a knowledge business that you can define it this way: if you don't if you don't have to bring your coffee to the office, but instead can bring your office to the coffee, <laughs> you are, you're in the knowledge yes. business. Right. That makes sense, and 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 and, I, and just to, to to get back, but the, the 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 major block is is really just this fear that 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 they're they're concerned about their costs and they're they're concerned about are are is it are they going to be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and it really we really have to break this cycle of thinking customers want to talk rel- all the time about their ERP system they don't well. Underlying your comment is this notion we like to play with a lot on the product management side is jobs theory, right? I don't want to go to Home Depot on Saturday morning and buy a high-powered drill. I want a hole to hang a picture. 
The drill is a tool to do that job. The accounting system is a tool for me to successfully run my business. It is not the reason I'm in business. It is a, it is an, it is a tool necessary to stay in business. And I think we as vendors in the software space are still struggling after many years of this to try and get ourselves out of our own way to understand that that's why people use this. They have a job to do. They have a pain they're trying to solve. They're not enamored with our technology the same way we are. Egress Solutions is a high-touch product growth and market success consultancy. Since 2009, Egress Solutions has had successful engagements with the top technology organizations, delivering insights into buyer preferences, product market fit, product management, and go-to market excellence. Egress Solutions accelerates top-line growth and market success for our clients. Go to www.egresssolutions.net to learn more. I would say maybe outside of Sage and look at sort of partner development programs, partner programs and strategies. What do you see other companies and the, the enterprise software space doing? Is it similar to what's going on stage, Sage or is, is, it, is it stagnating? Where, where is that from your point of view? Well, I, I like to think that we're different because of the work that I'm doing, but Maybe we're I, not. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'll applaud that. I'll, I'll vote for that. <laughs> but, but, but I do think that the, I mean, there's a lot of entrenched thinking through throughout both organizations, the stage and our partner organizations, and and in 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 the industry and profession, and even the profession, the accounting profession writ large. There's a lot of entrenched thinking around that. And look, there are certain things: is block and tackle stuff, go to market stuff, the marketing piece, all that that has to get done. And I, I, I get that, and I think that that we are doing a better job. Uh, than most, if not all, of our competitors in that in that space. But I'm sure that there's there's areas that we can improve on, right? So I think that there's some challenges for that. As as far as what do I see uh, across the space, I you know I think this is a pretty ubiquitous problem. It's the it, it's not just the, the, the a sage partner problem and worrying about billable hours. It's it's much grander. That so I I think that that's that's what I see. And and look, it's going to happen one way or the other. There's a an interesting book that I read called The Future of the Professions by Daniel and Richard Susskind. And one of the, 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 the things that I distinctly remember about the book is them saying that as the professions move forward, what looks like them will not kill, kill them, right? What kills you does not look like you. It right. looks like something different. So take, for example, the bookkeeping profession, right? What's going to kill the bookkeeping profession, if, if anything? Well, you, you know, there's guy by the name of Jeff Bezos who invested $400 million into a company called Pilot that does bookkeeping. Like, yeah, pretty sure he's not going to do it by the hour, ultimately. Uh, pretty sure. No. <laughs> right. right, right, right. So that which kills you does not look like you. It's going to be something else. And, and I think that, that, that that's the thing. It's going to change over time whether or not the, the players that are in the market today make the jump. That's an open question. When you sort of think about go to market from an enterprise standpoint of a company like Sage, what, what kinds of things are you seeing then start to evolve? And mostly around this idea of what I'll call making the solution successful. It's after the deal is closed, after the subscription uh, stream starts, what, what kind of things are you seeing start to rally around companies either at Sage or other places where we're, it used to be a sales-led motion, right? It was a single-threaded sales-led motion. Do you talk, comment about your thoughts about what you see 
changing there, if anything. So one of the things that I hear over and over again is that buyers now come to a proposed vendor with with you know, seventy percent of their quote research done as to what that what it is that they want to buy. Maybe even more. Maybe it used to be thirty, and it's it's ever increasing to seventy. But I will say this, and this is, I think, perhaps the unique partner perspective on this. The The issue that I see with that is the same problem that I have, or my physician tells me that I have with Dr. Google. <laughs> right? When, when, when I experience some kind of a weird thing going on in my body, I, my first inclination is to go to Dr. Google. You know, and then I go to my physician and she tells me, Ed, you're not dying. Stop going to Dr. Google. She rolls her eyes and <laughs> says, get off of that, please. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just probably have a head cold. All right? <laughs> right. 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 And and I think to a certain extent, that's still true. Many companies self-diagnose their problems. And while I think they often get the diagnosis correct as to what the problem is, they don't necessarily get the prescription correct. And that's the role, I think, of the partner organization to say, yes, I know you've done your research and yes, you've 70% of the way there, but let's put the brakes on this just a second and let's let let's have what I like to call the value conversation. Yes, I know you need these quote features and benefits, and this is the thing, but what what is that gonna do for your, your company? What's that gonna do for your organization? Is it gonna increase sales? Is it gonna reduce costs? And not just some well, it's going to reduce the number of hours it takes somebody to do something. Okay, that's not reducing costs. Right. I mean, people like to think it is, but it's not. It's not cash. Right. <laughs> it, it, right. It's so it, we got to pay the people anyway. Unless you're going to fire people, that's a different story. Yeah. yeah. Right. But if you're not, what are that? What are they going to be redeployed to do that is of value? Now, in order for a, we'll call it an agent, whether it's a partner or a salesperson, employee of the vendor or not, to have that conversation that requires some, some skills beyond introducing the solution. What are, what are the separators? And I know you've interviewed a lot of partners on one of your podcasts. What, are, what do you see as the key separators there? The key separator is to have the ability to do what Mahan Khalsa in his great book, Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play, calls move off the solution. Say more, please. Move off the solution. Uh, I, I will give. I will give you a story about a, a thing that happened in my career that was the moment that changed my life and changed my thinking about this entire thing. So the story is this: I was doing a demo back in 1996, and the, I don't know if you remember, Mike, but a demo in 1996 was basically an all-day affair. Well, that's just the presentation part. It took a yeah. week to set it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> It, it, an all day affair. So it would, it would, it would last all day. So this guy, Evan, his name was, we're like at two o'clock in the afternoon. And he says, all right, Ed, stop, stop. He said, I assumed that your system could print an accounts payable check. I'm, I made that assumption. It was an accounting system. Here's what I need. I need a report that shows me inventory turns by item category. Can you do that? And in my brain, I went through the list of reports that we had, and there was not a standard report to do this. Fortunately, there was Crystal Reports. So I pull up Crystal Reports, and I'm left out or joining, and right out or joining, and I'm making this thing, and I'm making it the template red, white, and blue because it's near Independence Day, right? And I'm like, boom, is this it? Is this what you're talking about? 
And he goes, well, yeah, that's it. Great. And I, I get the deal. $60,000 in software, $60,000 in consulting. I'm thinking I'm a genius, right? Six months later, Evan throws his arm around me while I'm out there probably fussing with the accounts payable check that didn't line up properly. <laughs> right? And he says to me, you know that report you gave us? I'm like, yeah. What are you talking about? He goes, the report you gave us, because I couldn't even put it on my timesheet at the time because I did it during the demo. He says, we've been able to figure out that because we have that information, we have been able to increase our sales by 40%. They were like wow. a $10 million company on an run rate for $14 million because of that report. That report was worth $4 million to him. I gave it to him for free because I couldn't charge him. Right. Now, what I needed to do, and this is the move off the solution piece, is instead of going to Crystal Reports and creating it, what I had to do is say this, Evan, thanks for asking. We do customizations for our customers all the time. However, there's when, when I hear about a customer report, there's usually multiple ways of getting this information out of your system. Would it be okay if I asked you a couple of questions as to what you think the results would be if you got this report? And, had that, and that's the move off the solution. If I were able to have that conversation about what the perceived value, he wouldn't have come up with $4 million. He would have come up with a million, though, because he's like, right. stop. Well, you're hitting on the key thing. that The key thing. And that is still the key difference to this date. I was going to say, nothing's that, changed. Has that, that partners need to, to understand. They need to move off the solution. <laughs> well, it's not just partners. No. It's employee direct salespeople and also solutions and engineers. And get to something now, for those of us who have a little gray hair, this concept of solution selling, which is diagnosing before you prescribe, is the key, right? Because yep. it allows you to establish value. I know I sound old fashioned, but the more things change, the more they remain the same. We still haven't really embraced that notion yet. Peter Drucker said it in 1960, okay? And this is how he put it. Replace advice with curiosity. Very simple. Ask more questions than you make statements. And the rule should be 80% asking questions and 20% making statements. And if you yep. do those things, you're good. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting thread. And I want to kind of ask you a, a long view question. Take a look back. And let's say you are working for another ERP type company, not the one you work for, because I want to see if we can pick some of the things you understand up and take it forward. What would you be and I'm not going to name name, you can put one in your, your frame, one in your mind. What would you be if you were head of development strategy, growth strategy, or partner development strategy, some strategic role, not a transaction role such as that? What would you be trying to get that company to do these days? Add a, add a single field to their CRM system. Which is? And the field is, in dollars, what is the perceived value? <sighs> of this customer. And I will not offer you any kind of a discount or price incentive unless that field is filled in and verified by the prospect. And what do you think you would be able to get from that over time? What would be the benefit to the organization? I think there would be a significant increase in not only the, 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 the sales, but also customer loyalty and satisfaction.
So it's following this dimming principle, that which is measured will change. Is that what we're playing with here? We start measuring val perceived value. Does that mean that we'll get better at building the value with our yeah in we'll our get if, if we're measure if we're measuring the value we will get better at understanding value and we will get better at going back to the customer once the 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 solution is in place and saying are you getting the value are you seeing yes. it if not yes. what are the tweaks that we need to make in order to get you there yeah yeah that's fantastic i like that sir you have a lot of energy and a lot of passion even after all these years <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Where do you get insight, inspiration from? I know you're a reader. Mm -hmm. I, I know you're an avid reader. We've talked books and that kind of thing before. But these days, where are you? Where are you picking up the tidbits that allow you to do signal to noise testing and that sort of thing? It it is continuous re reading. I, I, the the radio one of the the, the the podcasts that you mentioned, the Soul of Enterprise. I do it with a co-host Ron Baker, and we constantly feed off of one another. He's not a Sage team member, but is one of the thought leaders in the accounting profession around value based and subscription based selling. So he he's really the person that I that I I go to for for that kind of stuff. But another person I'll just continuously mention who cont continues to influence me this day is Peter Block and his his work on flawless consulting, which is now in its fourth edition. And I, I just I just love that the, the his evolution of his thought. I have all four editions of his book, including one that's sitting right over by my side right now. I'm looking forward to reading it because I I love his his mind, the way his mind has evolved, because it's not it's not the same book that he just adds stuff to. It's a new book each time. Mm. So that, that that's that's where I, I look for. I'm familiar with Peter Block and I've read one of his editions. I probably should go back and refresh because it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Or just pick up the fourth edition or uh, to me, his seminal work is called The Answer to How is Yes. That to me is a book about questions and mm -hmm. the, and the, the appropriateness of the timing of questions mm -hmm. that has influence and that the how Not just in business that's in life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, and what, what he says in that book is the how questions that most businesses and people ask are not wrong. They're just ill-timed. They're asked too early in the process. Oh, asked yeah. and answered too early in the process. Yeah. Um, and what we need to do is change, change our mindset around that. And th for those people who ask the question, we need to help them see that we need help how they transform the question to something that's more what matters based. That's fabulous synopsis of the book. That's good advice. I'm actually going to go pick up this book because I haven't read Peter Block in a while. Ed, if people want to connect with you or find out more about your many activities, including your podcast, can you recommend a way that they should do that that works for you? Sure. The, 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 the two podcasts are the soul of enterprise of so the soul of enterprise.com. There's also the sage thought leadership podcast, sage thought leadership.com. But if you want to find me, I'm really easy to find. I am the only Ed class in the world. My parents were really into differentiation. <laughs> so if you just look up Ed class, which is only seven letters, you'll find me. Excellent. Excellent. Ed, I really appreciate getting a chance to talk to you today. I thank you for sharing your insight and just the richness of your perspective. It's always refreshing to do that. And to the people listening out there, we sincerely appreciate you joining us today. Hope this is something that's valuable to you. We appreciate your downloads. We appreciate your reviews and your comments. We take them seriously and we act on them. I'd like to thank you for joining Go to Market Disruptive. Until next time, so long.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Egress Solutions, head on over to www.egresssolutions.net.